You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. Axe Church is located in Camas, Washington. You can find out more about us at www.axecamas.org. Check out our other sermons and podcasts. You can find them on iTunes Podcasts, SoundCloud, and our website. This sermon was preached by Pastor David Robinson, who is the teaching pastor at Axe Church. We hope you enjoy the sermon, and we hope that the Lord blesses you through it. When I was a young man, I mean younger than I am now, I'm still pretty young. I began to believe a big lie. Uh, This was so ridiculous of a lie and so dangerous of a lie that it led me down a very evil path, a very bad path. I began to believe that I was just about the smartest, most talented, best-looking guy in the world. Yes, it's okay to laugh. It was, I told you, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. But why would I believe such a ridiculous deception? Because I liked to believe it. I liked to believe it. I thought it would give me pleasure to believe it. I thought that the things that would come from believing it would bring me pleasure. I pushed away all the very obvious truths uh, to choose to believe the lie instead of the truth, to choose to believe a lie in unrighteousness because I thought it would lead to fun. I thought it would lead to pleasure. What it ended up leading to was sin and pride and evil and selfishness and more sin and spiritual deadness. And I became consumed with this deception. And in the end, I had messed up my life incredibly in some some really messed up ways. If I could go back and meet the me from then, I think my reaction would be to punch me in the throat very hard. Uh, most likely. Um, That lie that I was believing led to nothing but embarrassment and shame and sin and guilt and problems. Because deception is deadly. Deception is deadly. Deception is a lack of truth. If we are deceived, if we're in deception, we are by definition not living in the truth. Right? That's what deception is. Now, today we're going to be fleshing out chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, and we're going to see two sets of people who are dealing with deception, two different sets of people who are dealing with deception. And we're going to learn that deception leads to death. Deception leads to death because it does not love the truth. Deception does not love the truth, and deception leads to death because Truth is life. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When Jesus says that, he actually means that. It's not just a metaphor or something like that. He actually means he is the truth. Truth and life are in Jesus Christ, the Son of God and King of Kings. They aren't anywhere else. Without Jesus Christ, you will enjoy neither truth nor real life. Those are facts. That's what the Scripture says. Now, I said there were two groups where deception was attempted. There was deception among the Christ followers and deception among those who rejected Christ. Those are the two groups that we're going to read about. So if you get your Bibles out, if you don't have one, there should be one in the chair near you. It'll be on the screen. Use your phone, whatever you need to do. Um, but let's dig into the scripture here. We're going to start uh, verses 1 through 5 in, in uh, 2 Thessalonians 2. This is this. Now, brethren, brothers and sisters, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter 
as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? So, in my experience, when we get into a passage like this, uh, there are a couple of different ways that people react. Okay, because we're talking about the Antichrist and the end times and things like this. So there's some of those who kind of in their minds are like, all right, we're talking about the Antichrist and the end times and the rapture, revelation. You know who you are, right? You've got the Nicolas Cage left behind DVD in the DVD player right now. I know who you are. Uh, you've, got that, you've got that going, no, hey, look, I'm good with it. But you're, you're very into it when people want to talk about revelation or the end times or whatever. Like it's, it's, a, it's a passion project in theology for you and, and what you think about scripture. And that's, that's okay. The other side are the people that are the eye rollers. They're like, oh gosh, this again, right? Um, they've heard people talking about the end times and sort of making predictions for when the rapture is going to come and things like that for a long time, right? Because a long time people have been making predictions about the end of the world, the end times and what scripture says about it and whatever. Uh, here's the deal. There's nothing wrong with that first set of people, for the people who are eye rollers on this stuff. There's nothing wrong with being excited about the end times, right? Because after all, for the Christ follower, there's nothing better than being with the Lord, than having him rapture his church, right? There's nothing better for us. So we should want to see that time come for us, and we should always be ready for the return of Christ and excited for it. That should be, that should be part of our lives as Christ followers, right? But at the same time, we're called to fulfill our purpose in Christ here and now, until he returns, and not to stand looking at the sky all the time and, and thinking, when is he coming? Is it today? Is it tomorrow? Whatever, and, and, and making all our focus be that. There's got to be some kind of a balance to it, right? We've got work to do, and the Holy Spirit is doing work through us for his children and those who he's calling to himself here and now, okay? And that's also exciting and adventurous and amazing, right? The life that we're living now is also amazing. Not as amazing as the life will be with Christ, but it's also amazing. In Philippians, uh, the Holy Spirit through Paul writes this, uh, 121. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He's sort of struggling between the two. He's like, if I live here, I'm living in Christ. If I die, it's even better. It's a greater thing to be with Christ than to be here in this fallen world. That's a given. But it is a great thing to work and see the fruit of that work in the power of the Holy Spirit in this fallen world as God is calling people to himself through you, through us. Either way, Today, we're not going to be studying the rapture, and we're not going to be talking about the end times other than to focus on the deceptions in the last days. So that's really the, not the part of the scripture that we're going to focus on. Um, the scripture is being written to the Thessalonians because an, a deception has been attempted among them. Somehow, an attempt was made to make some of the Thessalonian believers believe that the rapture and the second coming of Jesus Christ had already come right? Which would be a, a very concerning thing if you thought that God had already raptured the church up and that you were left. Once at an elders meeting, um, Glenn Cook went to the bathroom and the rest of us, we all put clothes on our chairs and went and hid in the kitchen. So when Glenn came out, he thought the rapture had come. It was sort of sad. He started confessing all kinds of stuff, started jumping, hoping that they would get him up there None of that worked. Eventually, he just started going through our pockets and tried looking for cash. Um, what was more surprising to him was when we all came back out and we were in our underwear because all our clothes were there. 
I'm telling you though, Dave Vanderplug can rock some uh, Spider-Man underoos for a guy in his 40s. You know, he makes that work. I'm totally lying. None of that ever happened, but it would be hilarious if it did, right? Um, <laughs> I wish I would have thought of it before the sermon illustration. We would have really done that, but other than the underwear part. Um, so, <laughs> uh, none of that happened. Uh, but an attempt was being made to make the Thessalonian believers believe that that had happened, believe something similar to that. These Christ followers, remember, they're suffering persecution. If you've been in this study for a while, you know the Thessalonians are suffering persecution from their friends, from their neighbors, from the people in their city. So they're going through all of this, right? Um, and, and so they would be very super bummed out if it was true that Christ had returned and, and, and gotten his church and they had been left behind going through all this kind of suffering. That would, be, that would really not be any fun. Um, so uh, in this scripture, Paul is saying, look, don't be deceived. Don't believe the lie that's being told to you because all this stuff is going to happen before the end. There's going to be the Antichrist and all these things are going to happen before the end. And so uh, you don't need to worry about that. Since you don't see that stuff happening, clearly we haven't, the church hasn't been raptured, right? Um, so the question is, I think the important question for us is, how is it that Christians get deceived? How is it that Christians get deceived about things like this, about things like biblical things, things of God? How can Christ followers be deceived on those things? And there are, there are a couple ways. There are a couple ways, a few ways, I think, that Christians fall into deception. The first one is this. They're simply not trusting Jesus. They're simply not trusting Jesus. And so uh, we're particularly tempted to be deceived when things are difficult or things don't go our way and we don't understand why we're suffering or how God is going to restore us and work all things together for good. We don't see those things. And we're suffering. And we want to, and we want to try to make sense of it. Right When those times come, it's easier for us to fall into believing lies about God, lies about ourselves, lies about our own self-sufficiency, because we're trying to make sense of the fact that we're dealing with something difficult. Um, and, and so there's a whole philosophy that churches, some churches teach. Uh, it's called the health and wealth gospel or the prosperity gospel. It's basically a philosophy that says, look, if you're a Christian, it's God's will that you will always be healthy and wealthy. That's great, right? I mean, yeah. Woohoo! Uh, fantastic. Not true, but fantastic. So uh, that, that's what they teach people. And, and it's worse because what they do is they say, if you're not healthy and you're not wealthy, it's not because it's not God's will. It's because you messed up. It's because you don't have enough faith. If you just had enough faith or sent in enough money or did whatever it is they're telling you to do, these things would happen. And if you're still poor, if you're still sick, that's kind of on you. You need to have more faith, which is an incredibly horrible horrific thing to say to a person who's dying of cancer or a single mother raising several children and barely making ends meet, telling them that the reason you're sick or the reason you're poor is because you don't have enough faith, right? And this is widespread. There's a lot of this out there, this deception, right? People are suffering. They want an answer. And some people have used this as their answer to people. And a lot of pastors and, and church, church people have gotten rich peddling this kind of nonsense and these kinds of lies and deceptions to people. And you would think that the people that would buy into it the most would actually be the rich and healthy people because they're the ones who are already experiencing this. And so it kind of would make them feel good that obviously I'm, I have all this stuff because I'm so good and I have so much faith. You think that'd kind of be where it is, but that's not true. That's not true. The people who buy into this or who are, who are the most at risk for this are actually the poor and the sick, which kind of makes sense, right? You know where this deception does really well? Honduras. 
places like that, Philippines, third world countries. When we go down to Honduras, you basically have Catholic churches, and then you have the the kinds of churches that we're planting and and dealing with, and then you have lots and lots of these health and wealth prosperity gospel churches. These people are very, very poor, and they're suffering, and when somebody comes and gives them this as an out, if you can just muster up enough faith, you're going to be rich, they, they go for it, right? They're, 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 they're kind of ripe for that kind of a deception. So instead of trusting God, that he will give them what they need and that there's nothing wrong with being poor or with being sick or with going through those kinds of things because this is a temporary time we're in a fallen world. Instead, they allow the deception of the prosperity gospel to creep in, thinking that this is their way out of these problems. They want answers for their difficulties and trusting God is really hard when you're going through difficulties. So deception can creep in. Deception can creep in. The Thessalonians were certainly suffering. They were persecuted. People in their city were persecuting them. It was bad. It was really bad. And for some of them, maybe it would have made sense to buy into, oh, the answer is, we're really not supposed to be doing all this suffering, but we missed the boat. The raptures happened and we got left behind. Maybe some of them were tempted to believe that. If we don't trust God, we open ourselves up for more deception. Another reason that people can fall into deception is because we do not know the scripture. We just don't know what the scripture says. In verse 5 of 2 Thessalonians, Paul reminds us that he had already told the Thessalonians these things. They shouldn't have been deceived when other people started saying stuff about, oh, the, the day of the Lord's come and so on. They shouldn't have been deceived because he had already been there and taught them and told them. The apostle had already taught them. Now, we have the teaching of the apostles right here. Okay, we have what they had. We have all that available in Scripture to us today, in this book, but a lot of us just don't know it. We don't know it. And when we don't know it, deception can creep in, right? All kinds of different deceptions, like really bad theologies, like thinking that quotes that become really famous are actually from the Bible. For instance, I think a lot of people um, in this country especially believe that the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. A lot of people believe that that's in the Bible, but it's not. It's not in the Bible. It was a quote by some guy named Algernon Sidney back in like 1698 or something. And it was quoted by Benjamin Franklin in the uh, Poor Richard's Almanac. Okay? And it sort of just became a really famous quote. And then people just started assuming that it was in the Bible. But here's the problem with it. It is the opposite of what Scripture tells us about God. It doesn't say God helps those who help themselves. That's not what Scripture says at all. In Isaiah 25.4 it says, For you have been a strength to the poor. A strength to the needy in his distress. A refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat. For the blast of the terrible ones is a storm against the wall. And then amazingly in Romans 5, 6 through 8, we have this. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, but yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God helps the helpless, not those who help themselves. God helps the helpless. God helped me, thank God. And if he can do that, he helps the helpless, I'm telling you. You can find a good little article on the God helps those who help themselves thing on gotquestions.org if you want to look into that. But um, it's just interesting that so many people do believe that comes from Scripture, right? Why? They don't know the Scripture. They don't know the Scripture, so they don't know that it's not there. And it's a big book, to be fair. There's a lot of stuff in here. But when we don't know the scriptures, we can come to believe deceptions like that. And you can see how just a little thing like that, God helps those who help himself, can twist 
Your understanding of who God is, who you are, of what your responsibility is, of what God's responsibility of is, of his sovereignty, of all kinds of things, just by believing a little thing that comes because you didn't know it was actually in here. In 2013, the Barna Group did a survey of practicing Christians, okay? People who said they were practicing Christians, and they asked them questions about their worldviews, about what they, what they believed about some stuff, and, and I found some of this interesting. Practicing Christians, 28% of practicing Christians strongly agreed that all people pray to the same God or spirit, no matter what name they use for that spiritual being. 28% of practicing Christians strongly agreed that everybody's praying to the same God. Okay? There's a problem between that and what it says in here. If you knew what it said in here, you wouldn't strongly believe that, right? 27% of practicing Christians strongly agreed that meaning and purpose come from becoming one with all that is. Find me that verse if you get a chance. It's not in here, right? That's an, that's an Eastern, a new spiritual type of, of thought. It has nothing to do with truth. It doesn't even make sense the, uh, philosophically, nor does it theologically, but 27% of practicing Christians strongly agreed that. 20% of practicing Christians strongly agreed that meaning and purpose comes from working hard to earn as much as possible so you can make the most of life. That's where meaning and purpose come from, making a lot of money. 20% of practicing Christians. 23% of practicing Christians strongly agreed that what is morally right or wrong depends on what an individual believes. 23%. 15% of practicing Christians strongly agreed that if your beliefs offend someone or hurt their feelings, they're wrong. If you have a belief and it hurts someone's feelings, the belief is wrong. And 13% of practicing Christians strongly agree that a person's life is valuable only if society sees it as valuable. These are deceptions. They're not biblical. They're not biblical, but if we don't know the scripture, these deceptions can easily creep in. They can easily creep in. If you've adopted any of these beliefs, and here's the thing, if this survey has any accuracy, some of us have. Some of us have bought into some of these beliefs. Okay? If you have, it's not scriptural, but I would love to sit down and talk to you. Don't feel bad about the fact that you've bought into this. Lots of people have. Let's sit down and talk about it. I love to talk about truth. I love to talk about what scripture says and how the scriptures are true. But if we know scripture well, we're less likely to have, this kind of things, have these kinds of things happen. As believers in Jesus Christ, as his followers, we should not be deceived. We should not be allowing ourselves to be deceived. We should be holding on to the truth. We should be holding on and standing fast in the truth. If we trust God and we know the scriptures, we will not be deceived. Okay, listen, this is, this is you want something practical? Trust God and know scripture and you won't be deceived. It's, hard, it's very hard to deceive somebody who knows scripture and trusts God. We're supposed to gird our waist with truth and we're supposed to have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. These are our weapons, right, and armor in our warfare against deception and lies. If you have them, you won't be deceived. But there are others in this passage of Scripture who are deceived. The next part of the passage tells us about the deceptions that will be believed by those who reject Jesus. Those who reject Jesus will be deceived. This is what it says. We're going to go from verses 6 through 12. And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. Again, they're talking about the Antichrist being revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, was already at work then. Only he who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit here. 
And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's tough. That's tough. This is about those who reject Jesus. This is about those who refuse to follow him and make him Lord of their life. That's who, that's who we're talking about here. This is not about Christ followers. It's not about Christians. It's about the very end when the man of lawlessness, the, the Antichrist, is revealed. What's going to kind of happen? Okay? The scripture says, though, that the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Back 2,000 years ago, it was already at work. Now, mystery isn't like Agatha Christie mysteries. You know, it's not like, ooh, mysterious. Mystery has to do with something that's hidden, that's only revealed to those who know. For us, it's not a mystery. For the believer, for the Christ follower, we have the Holy Spirit. These things are revealed to us. We know. It's not hard for us to see that this spirit of lawlessness, right, is, is at work. That the lies, the deception is already at work. It's not hidden from us. We can see it every day in every news article, right? In every new oppression and mass shooting and act of terrorism and theft and lie and sexual immorality and, and murder of children in the womb and you name it. You fill it in. This has been at work for a long time. It's affected every single one of us. It's not hidden to the believer, but to the unbeliever, it is hidden. To the unbeliever who rejects Christ, they don't see it. It's a mystery to them. Sure, they might think some of those things are bad or distasteful. They may not like some of those things. They may like some of them. But they believe somehow that they're going to make a better world. They think that they're, they're kind of living that Disneyland magic, like... Somehow we're all going to figure it out and eventually we're all going to hug and dance around and like everything. We're going we're to figure out all this bad stuff and no one's going to be bad anymore. That's sort of the hope, right? We're going to figure it out. But they don't realize that Satan is behind the scenes working to deceive and to lie and to bring people into sin and evil and death. They don't see that part of it. They don't see the mystery, the hidden thing of the lawlessness that's going on. They don't believe that and they don't want to hear it from us. They don't want to hear it from us. The deception for the rebel who rejects God is deep and wide. It's deep and wide. When you live for yourself, you're deceived. But listen, here's the good news. God has provided light in the darkness for now. He's provided light in the darkness as he always has throughout history. And you know who that light in the darkness is? It's you. It's you. It's his church. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, speaking the truth in love, you are the light in the darkness and this mystery of lawlessness and this darkness and this deception that's coming into the world that, makes that, that causes people to seek after pleasure, to turn away, to rebel from God. There is something fighting against that, and it's you. You're that light. We're battling deception and lies of lawlessness. These things that are deceiving the world, that's what we're doing. But it will not always be so. It will not always be so. We'll be raptured, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that came upon the church at Pentecost will be over. For those of you who remember, when we studied Acts, we studied about the day of Pentecost. This was like three and a half years ago. Some of you weren't born yet, whatever. It was a long time ago. We'd studied about Pentecost when Christ sent the Holy Spirit to the church to empower us. There's going to come a time 
when, as it says here, the one who restrains, he will be taken out of the way. For those of you who have the New King James Version or some versions, they capitalize he. The reason they capitalize it is because they're talking about God, the Holy Spirit. He'll be taken away before the Antichrist and all that stuff comes. The Holy Spirit's going to be taken out of the way. In other words, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that came at Pentecost is going to be over. The age of the church is going to be over. And when that happens, no longer are we the light in the world, and no longer is the Holy Spirit providing light in the darkness to these people, and so God's going to let them be deluded. He's going to give them a delusion, and they're not coming back after that. The deception is locked in. It's vested. It's done. They're not coming back out of the deception. If you read the book of Revelation, you see things, and you, and you can't even believe it. Like people who see miracles, and they see these things, and, they still, and it talks about how they still don't turn, and they still curse God and whatever. They're, they know what's true, but the deception is so strong now And the witness of the Holy Spirit is no longer there like he is now through us. That's a pretty big deal and a pretty big responsibility for you and for me. You and I have been called together to be soldiers in Christ's army. In a shield wall to stand against the lies and deception that the enemy brings that tries to destroy people, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. We're that army. But people want to believe lies. See, that's the problem. People want to believe lies because they have pleasure in our righteousness, as the scripture says here. That was my problem. I wanted to believe in lies. I wanted the pleasure that I thought would come from believing in them. See, the world will tell you that there's life in a lot of things, right? In money, in fame, in sex, in drugs, in whatever, whatever it is, whoever you're around, whatever your, your particular culture happens to, to, to lift up, whatever idol happens to be current among your group, we say there's life in all these other things, but then people chase these things thinking that there's life in them and they never find life in them because there's no life in those things. Life is only in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So people chase after these things and chase after these things. They just find themselves more and more empty. And you see celebrity after celebrity after billionaire after rich person ending their own lives because they've gotten everything that somebody told them life was in and they didn't find any life in it. And eventually it just was death. Because you can't get life from the things that God's made. You can only get life from God. And then if you have those things, great. And that's a blessing. You don't need them. Because when you have life, you have life. Rich, poor, sick, healthy, there's still life. There's still a hope that's deep within you and that God's constantly putting onto you. But when you seek after those things for life, you don't find them. And that was my problem. I thought that those other things would bring life. I thought that it looked like my friends were having a lot of fun with the things they were doing. Why wouldn't I give that a try? Did not work. Did not work. Just death and shame and guilt and embarrassment and pain. Romans 1 tells us the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the unrighteousness of men, right? Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Who suppress the truth. The truth comes and they push it away. They don't want to believe it because they want to worship the creature rather than the creator who is to be ever, forever praised. Amen, right? They, they, they want to worship themselves. They want to worship their own power, their own authority, And so they suppress the truth. And if you haven't been there, I certainly have. I think that's kind of the natural state of fallen humans. But this is pushing it back against that. And your job as a person with the Holy Spirit who follows Christ 
is to bring the light to them. It's not an easy job, and you can't do it outside of the power of the Holy Spirit because these people are deceived, and they want to believe these lies. Okay, So you need the power of the Holy Spirit because here's what sometimes happens. They want to believe these lies, and because they want to believe them, they want you to believe them. They want you to believe them. Misery loves company, as some say. Right? People who are deceived, here's the thing. They know in their hearts somewhere that they're deceived because the witness of the Holy Spirit is still in the world. We're still in the world. We have the Holy Spirit. The witness of the Holy Spirit is still in the world. So when someone wants to do that which is evil, that which is for pleasure, that which is born out of their deception, they actually know somewhere in their heart that this thing is wrong and that they're actually deceived and they're actually purposely buying into a lie and suppressing the truth. They know that in their heart because the witness of the Holy Spirit is there. So they don't feel good about it. So they want you to be the same as them because misery loves company. It's easier when you have a group. It's easier when you have a group. Men want to believe deceptions because they think the pleasure that will come from those deceptions is going to be just great. And they love the darkness. They love the darkness. They don't like the light. But if you have Jesus Christ, you have his Holy Spirit, you have the light. You're literally a light walking around in a world full of darkness. Have you ever turned on the light when someone was sleeping in a dark room? Hypothetically, your wife probably wouldn't like it if you did that. Hypothetically. She might get upset if you turn the light on. Why is that? Because it hurts, right? It hurts your eyes. When the light comes on and you are in darkness, it hurts your eyes. And you're like, turn that back off, right? Turn that light back off. We don't like the light shining in the darkness. There's pain involved with it. The same discomfort happens to the rebel against God. The same discomfort happens to the rebel against God. When you shine the light, which is you, the Holy Spirit in you, When you shine the light in the truth of their deceptions, they become very uncomfortable or angry or whatever. They react against it. It's uncomfortable, and they'd rather have the darkness back. So they'll try to corrupt you with deception. That's going to be their goal. They're going to try to deceive you. Listen, this is really important. This is why so many of us have had such a hard time not pigeonholing our lives. And what I mean by that is, living differently at work or with these friends or with those friends than we do at church or with these friends or with those friends. That's what pigeonholing our life is. We're kind of a different person over here and a different person over there. Have you ever mixed your church friends with your non-church friends? You ever done that? Your unbeliever friends? If all the people you knew, this is a, this is a little question for you. I want you to think through this. If all the people you knew were in the room at once, would some of them think you were a different person than the person that they knew? Would your church friends be surprised by how many F-bombs you're dropping and your non-church friends be surprised by how few you were? I'm trying to play that thing. Your church friends would be surprised by how much you're drinking and your non-church friends would be like, you're not drinking as much because you're living these different lives. Whatever it is, right? Whatever it is, you have these friends over here, you have these people over here, and when you're with them, they don't like the light you bring in the Holy Spirit. And they're like, ah, don't give me that stuff. And so you go dark with them. And so if you put them all together, there'd be a divided you. Here's the thing. There's a spiritual force of evil in the world that wants you to be divided like that as a Christ follower. Wants you to be divided and to be deceived Those in the dark want you to be in the dark, for sure. But because we want to fit in, 
sometimes we compromise. People get upset when that light's turned on, so we don't turn it on as bright, or we don't turn it on at all. Instead of bringing the light until the Holy Spirit does the work to help their eyes adjust, we just don't turn it on until they stop complaining. Listen, this is the hypocrisy that believers get accused of, and there's a reason we get accused of it. Because we do it. Those accusations are often true. We're one person over here, and we're a different person over there. I know I've done it before. So now I know this has been true of me in the past, that I've compromised with these folks because they didn't like the light, and I wanted to fit in. We are not helping those who are deceived by pretending that they're not deceived. We're not helping them by doing that. We are not helping those who are deceived by acting like we're deceived ourselves. We're not helping them by making it easier for them to believe their deceptions just because we don't have the courage to bring the light of truth with us when we're around them. But it's a reality. Listen, Christ is the truth. He is the truth. He says it. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. They're going to be deceived in the end because they would not and did not receive the love of truth that would save them. That's what the scripture says today that we're reading. They would not. They did not receive the love of truth that would save them. Now, I don't want to stand before my precious Lord, Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, in his glory and in his majesty, and come before him, the one who died a gruesome death on the cross for me because he loved me so much, and have to say and explain why I didn't have the courage to shine my light of his Holy Spirit in the world because some of my friends might have thought I was weird. But that's what we do. When we do that, we're, we're helping in the deception. I've done that before. I've repented and turned away from that. I don't want to be that person anymore. I hope you don't want to be, if you are that person, that person anymore. And some of you in this room, listening to this, probably need to do that. If you're not a light in the darkness, if you're not a light in the darkness, if you're, if you're covering under a bushel, no. If you're doing that, if you're not being a light among your friends, you're actually helping the darkness. You're aiding the darkness. Where you could be a light, where the Holy Spirit could be working through you and be a light, you're aiding the darkness. And there's a time coming when this deception that they're under right now will crystallize. And they won't get out of it, and it will mean death. Our job is to pull them out of deception, not to help them continue to live in it. Let's finish the chapter. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Here is the hope of the good news. Here's the good news. You do not have to be deceived. 
You do not have to be deceived. For the believer, stand fast in what you have been taught and what you are being taught. There's a reason why we're here on Sunday. There's a reason why we go to life. There's a reason why we go to orientation. There's a reason why we do these things. So we can learn the scripture, so we can build our trust in God, so that we won't be deceived. Right? That's what we're here for. So then we can be a light to others so that they won't be deceived. And for the times of trials and difficulties which you all are going through or have just been through or are about to go through, those, for those times, remember that God has loved you. He's loved you so much that he's given you an everlasting consolation. An everlasting consolation and a good hope by grace. What's the good hope by grace? That we're saved. That we're going to be with him forever. That's a good hope by grace. And he will comfort you and establish you in every good word and work. He will comfort you. Trust and hold on because he's going to comfort you. If you've been a hypocrite in the past, stop. Repent. Turn around. That's what repenting means. I'm going to, this isn't good. Let's go back this way towards what's good. Stop doing that. Call on Jesus Christ and his grace. Get the forgiveness that he has offered freely to you, that he has promised you, that he will be faithful and just to give to you, and move forward. If you're feeling down, remember this. You've been chosen and loved by God, called by God, and you have been and are being equipped by God to turn back the darkness of deception in this world and to lead people in the power of the Holy Spirit to Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. That's you. That's something that you have. I don't want to hear from any Christ follower about how I'm just, I just work over at McDonald's or I'm just a plumber or I'm just a doctor or I'm just a movie star, whatever you people are, whatever your job is. I don't want to hear how you're just this or you're just that and you know, what can we really expect? First and most amazingly, you are a child of God called to stand your ground with your brothers and sisters in Christ's power. I don't care what your education is or isn't. I don't care what your prison record is or isn't. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how much you think you've succeeded according to the world. You are a child of God called to an amazing thing in a cosmic battle that's already been won by Jesus Christ, but that we're cleaning up. And it's a major, huge thing. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit to fight deception and the lies of the enemy, and you will be used by God to draw people to himself who are going to have relationship and salvation in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's you. That's your job. Yeah, amen. It's a big deal. You're not nobody. You are somebody. You are somebody. If you're not a Christ follower, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You've been deceived, as we all were. As we all were at one time. But you don't have to live in deception any longer. That doesn't have to be your life. You can be forgiven, freed from the deception and the lies that have ensnared you and tied you to sin and a sinful lifestyle and the, and the suppression of truth to seek after pleasures, superficial pleasures. But you can have forgiveness for all of that. You can have grace for all of that because God loves you and he wants you. Today could be your day to be made new. This could be it for you. You don't have to live in that deception. For the believer, the more you trust God, the more you know the scripture, the less open you are for deception. For the unbeliever, know God. Find Christ. And the scales, like Paul, the scales will come from your eyes. 
You will see things you did not see before. You will understand things you did not understand before. You will, as a believer, as a Christ follower, we're constantly in in this practice of of confession and repentance and looking back and finding the roots of sin and seeing all these ways in which we've been twisted by the world. You'll, You'll get to do all of that as a Christ follower. And ultimately, you will be a light to the world. And yes, people will not, some people hate the light. They like the darkness. I'm not telling you everyone's going to be like, yay. There will be people who will be very upset with you for becoming a Christ follower. But it's your job to see that they become a Christ follower too because people are going to hell. There's going to come a time when the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way. And I don't know that it's long from now. And once that happens, man, I'm telling you, I don't think they're coming back. I think those that are left are done. And we can go into that theologically sometime. I don't want to work through all that this morning. But the bottom line is, this deception is hardening in people. This mystery of lawlessness that was going, along, going around even when Paul was writing to, this, to the Thessalonians 2,000 years ago, that's been continuing. It hasn't been getting less. It's been getting more. People are so much more easily deceived. It's really easy to see now, Right? It's really easy to see how easily people are deceived. All the things that they can believe. This is, this is happening. This is going on around you. You need to have the eyes to see it. Let the Holy Spirit show you. It's bad. It's getting worse. You are to be a light. You are to be a light. The Holy Spirit in you is to be a light to the world. For those, again, who don't know Jesus, you can be a light. This can be your day. Let's bow our heads and ask the people to come forward with the offering plates. If you don't know Jesus, today is your day. And that's, that's the bottom line. You can know Jesus. All you need to do is confess that you're a sinner, that you have been deceived. Ask for his grace and his mercy. Just talk to him. Just tell him you want to follow him and choose to make him Lord of your life, and you're saved. It's that simple. It's not complicated. Choosing to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing that he died on the cross and rose from the dead for you, It's that simple. And he will change your life. He will transform you. For those of you who are believers, who maybe something that was said today has kind of hit you a little bit and the Holy Spirit's working on you a little bit, don't suppress that. Confess what needs to be confessed to him and choose to live differently. I want everyone to be encouraged by what God has called us to do. Let's pray. Well, thanks for listening to that Axe Church sermon. We hope you got a lot out of it. If you did, we'd love it if you would comment or uh, give us a review or give the track a like. Uh, It really means a lot to us to hear back from people who have um, heard these sermons and have been impacted by it. So share your story with us. Share what is happening in your life um, that this is speaking into. And remember, you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or through SoundCloud so that you can get all of our releases as soon as they come out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with more next week.